Welcome to the broadcast. Speak my word is about to begin. Your host is Shannon Davis. And we are living in the time of the end. T-minus. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. We have ignition. We will be reading tonight from the King James edition. Jesus told us to preach the gospel, cast out devils and lay hands on the sick. If you are not obeying him, you better act quick. He is coming back and we will all give a report. So obey Jesus so you don't come up short. That was a great song by the late Mylon Lefevre. And I remember that song. That was probably 1987, 87. Yep, that was a good year, 1987. I remember that song. Okay, well, we're going to um, do a program we call Speak My Word, where we go through the King James Bible, God's Word in the English language together. And we're going to be picking up where we left off last time. I checked my notes. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15 tonight and also Matthew 27. Let's pray. Father, Jehovah, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over the programs tonight for all the speakers, all the people tuning in, their families, me and mine. We invite the Holy Spirit of God to come. Holy Spirit, teach us your word. Unlock it for us. We ask God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help us to retain your word. Write it on the tables of our heart that we may not sin against thee. In Jesus' name. Also, in the name of Jesus, we bind every demonic force that is working against anyone tonight. We rebuke it. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God, for this opportunity. Put a hedge of protection wall fire from Zechariah 2 and 5 around each person out there and their family and mine. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel also said unto Saul, Yahovah sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of Yehovah. Thus saith Yehovah of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, 
Get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel, when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah, until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of Jehovah unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto Jehovah all night. Now this was the second time that King Saul, the first king of Israel, has disobeyed God. First mistake he made, which was the beginning of his downfall, was not waiting on the prophet Samuel, who would have offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, before they went into battle. But because the coming of Samuel was delayed, King Saul offered the sacrifice himself. And then Samuel arrives, rebukes him, reminds him he was not authorized to offer a sacrifice. That was number one mistake. Even more grievous. Here he has been given a direct commandment from God to destroy everything that pertains to the Amalekites. And what does Saul do? He saves the king and he does not kill the animals. But he saves the best for himself. Now how do you rationalize that? This is disobedience, rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. No different today than when we disobey God's word, we rebel against it and do things that he says we should not do. It's witchcraft. It's rebellion. And your sins will find you out, and me too. We need to repent and stop sinning while grace is still available because there comes a time where it's over. Mercy and grace are off the table. You're dead. Spirit has left your body and now it's judgment time and there's no more opportunity to repent. Do not die in your sins. Whatever you do. Back to Saul. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. 
And Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of Jehovah. I have performed the commandment of Jehovah. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and to the end of the oxen, to sacrifice unto Jehovah thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what Jehovah hath said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And Jehovah anointed thee king over Israel? And Jehovah sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of Jehovah, but did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of Jehovah? Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of Jehovah, and I have gone the way which Jehovah sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto Jehovah thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath Jehovah as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Jehovah? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of Jehovah, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of Jehovah and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, Pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship Jehovah. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of Jehovah, and Jehovah hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, Saul laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said to him, Yahovah hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people, before Israel, and turn again with me. That I may worship Jehovah thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped Jehovah. Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. In other words, kind of fear and trembling. 
And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before Yahovah and Gilgal. He cut him up into pieces with a sword. Just hacked him. There's a great movie starring Richard Gere, 1985 or so, called King David. It's one of my favorite biblical movies. They got pretty close, but in the movie they actually show Samuel just cutting the head off of Agag, but it was much different. He was literally hacked into pieces. And Samuel said, oh, let me go for it. Uh, Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before Yahovah and Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and Yahovah repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. The prophet Samuel had told Saul, if you would only, if you only had obeyed the Lord, he would have established your kingdom. You know, for centuries. But Saul blew it. He would not obey God. Why do we not obey God when he commands us not to do things? Why do people do it? It's a sin, sin nature. And we make a choice. And when we choose to do sin over obeying God, turning from that sin, there's repercussions. There is forgiveness. Sometimes we'll reap what we sow. There is forgiveness for people who commit crimes and are jailed. God will forgive them. They may have to serve the rest of their sentence out behind bars. They murdered someone, for example. There are consequences for our actions. Don't think for a minute that there's a get-off scot-free card. Now, God can show mercy, of course. He can lessen the sentence. But it had been better to obey the Lord to begin with. Because one man said, I paid a high price for a lot of own living. And that's a true statement. Obedience is always better than sacrifice, meaning, well, you've gone on to commit the sin, and then you come back and repent. Well, that's good, but it had been better to obey to begin with. God would prefer we obey than sin and have to come back and repent. Or in those times, they'd offer the sacrifice. Let's uh, move on to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. 
Then Judas, which had betrayed Jesus, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And Judas cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went, and hanged himself. Apparently the branch broke, and he fell down the cliff, and his guts opened up, spilled out on the ground. Asseldama, the field of blood. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. They knew they had done wrong. They had paid a man, Judas, to betray Jesus Christ who was innocent so they could kill Jesus. This is blood money. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day, or Esodama, I think it's how it's pronounced. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of their children, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter is filled as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, so much that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release some of the people a prisoner whom they would. That was a tradition. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye, speaking the whole group, that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus which is called Christ the Messiah for he knew that for envy they had delivered him you see Pontius Pilate even knew Jesus was innocent when he was set down on the judgment seat his wife sent to him saying have thou nothing to do with that just man for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. See, there is even a warning from his wife. Don't hurt this man. Let him go. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, 
Which of these two will ye that I release unto you? Whether of the twain? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, big commotion, people shouting, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. There he is. He said it again. This guy's innocent. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe, a red robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hell, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And they were when were they yeah, and when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he could not drink. He would not drink. And they crucified Jesus and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they asked, and and they that passed by reviled Jesus, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and build it in three days, save thyself. Thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. 
He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Jesus did say he was the Son of God. He is. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calls for Elijah. Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. They split open. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off which followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him among which were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children when the evening was come there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph who also himself was Jesus' disciple He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher or tomb. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver that that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night, and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Okay, 
Okay, we're going to take a um, a break and uh, we'll be back here um, in a minute with more. for him. I'm praising God that his grace is sufficient. You know, in times like these of uncertainties, 
whereby that you don't know sometimes, you know, what or whom you can trust, but yet we know that we can trust the Lord tonight. We can trust His Word tonight. Praise the Lord. Let's sing that again. Come on. Through my disappointment, strife and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the rock of ages saved from all the storm that reaches rich, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing. Would you like to praise his lovely name tonight? Just take this opportunity to tell him that you love him, you worship him, you magnify him, exalt his name. Hallelujah. Now let's all sing that song, the church's national anthem. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Shall we stand together, Brother Ross is going to lead? And I want you to turn up the volume out there. Let's hear that song. Lift your voices, praise, glory, and honor to Him tonight. Sing it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the
we swear a crown, we swear a crown, when the battle's over, we swear a crown in the new Jerusalem. Wear a crown, wear a crown, wear a bright and shining crown. Oh, when the battle's over, we swear a crown in the new Jerusalem. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That wasn't Hillsong music, was it? Those last two songs. uh, Songs that I remember very well. Those are my grandfather's church. And that was actually a recording from one of the church services. And I pulled the songs out of a a message tape that they had done. Well, uh, those were the songs that you'd find in the old hymnal books. And uh, no question at all who those songs are talking about. And you know what? Um... Those songs bring conviction. They praise the Lord, worship Him. They don't worship the flesh. They're not these praise teams up there that would be doing their performance every week, like a mini concert. You know, that's why I can't get into any of that. Uh, That's not the church I grew up in. Very foreign to me. It's alien to me the songs, the worship services. doesn't do a thing for me. But you take me back to those songs like you just heard and some that Elvis were singing. Those are the songs that I remember. That's the real church right there that I grew up in. And it's still out there. Uh, you have to go to some of the um, small churches out there. I actually hear some of those songs over here in the mission fields of Indonesia, songs that we had in the church of the 80s, 70s and 80s I grew up in. So, yeah, I remember church very well. I grew up in the 70s, church, 80s, up to about mid-90s, and then didn't go back again, except uh, on rare occasion. It had totally changed, and I remember when the change came in, and these praise teams began to invade the church and push out the choirs. Choirs are made up of people that love the Lord, want to get up there and sing. And then the praise team came in and the solo, and it became about worshiping an artist and songs that could be cross, you know, chart crossers. That's my opinion of it. A different spirit entered into the church through that music. And many of the hymnal books were thrown out. Very sad. However, again, there are still some.
that have kept the standard. And one of them is Hegwish Baptist Church. HBCDelivers.org. They're streaming this weekend for the January Men's Leadership Conference. And um, if you go to any of their services, they have church every week, a couple times a week. They play the old songs. That's all that they play. And Sister Worley, Wynn Worley, the late Wynn Worley, his wife, before she died, she was a piano player and organ player. They had her record all the classics. And they did it on some kind of media system. It's interesting, interesting how they have this set up. They have a computer up there on the podium next to the original uh, piano and organ. And it has a media, media controller. And they go up there and they can select the song, bam, and the thing plays itself. Just like she was there. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. It's not new technology, but I've never seen it deployed before. And they play all the old songs. All the songs. And when I went there for the first time back to 2010 to visit, it was like I was just put in a time warp and put back into my old church. The church is even built the same way as the churches I grew up in. The wooden pews. The wooden arches. Uh, it's a beautiful experience. If you've 90 seconds. been into the, the old church, the Church of God, uh, the Baptist churches, the Methodist churches, before some of them changed, sadly. You've got to get up to Hegwish. It is an experience. Not only that, they do what Jesus did. They cast out devils. They pray for the sick. Uh, it's an awesome experience. Get up there. And uh, praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to save this program. We've got seconds. three shows to go. Charles Jernigan coming up next. Let me say this. We'll be right back.